Sometimes I get so excited about Christmas or birthdays when I have a really cool present for a friend that I, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I, I want them to open it ahead of time. We've got a really cool gift for you listeners here this week on the Wild at Heart podcast. John Eldridge here. We've been in the studio for the last several weeks recording the audiobook of a new book that I have coming out in June called Resilient, Strengthening Your Weary Soul in These Turbulent Times. And it is killer. I mean, there's just so much good stuff in this book. But a part of me just says, I can't wait. We need some of the help some of the beauty, some of the strength that is available in this book now. And so I, have, I haven't asked my publisher permission for this. I'm just going to ask forgiveness. We're going to take chapter eight and we're going to play it for you today. We're going to literally take what we just recorded in the studio for the audio book because the way the chapters work in Resilient is... I tell some stories, I do some teaching, but it all leads up to an encounter or an experience, a, a prayerful encounter with God. And so I pray with you through that at the end of each chapter. But in the audiobook, we're able to do really, really cool things with that. So I wanted you to hear chapter eight because I think it's for now. Our next survival story is entitled digging deep. Coulter Barnes was dropped into the Canadian wilderness in a survival situation just before winter was about to descend. He had with him only his clothes and a handful of survival tools, including a fire starter and fishing line. He successfully built a shelter and was able to start and maintain a fire. But a big man like Coulter cannot live on the mushrooms and wild onions he was foraging. It was not enough even to maintain his body weight. He needed fish, but his efforts did not produce. Food was scarce. He eventually lost more than 65 pounds. The days and nights began to grow brutally cold. After more than two months in the wilderness, Coulter Barnes was starving to death. His physical movements became clumsy. His speech was slow and slurred, but he would not give in. Coulter kept telling himself, I gotta dig deep. I gotta dig deep. Chapter 8. The Deep Well Inside Us Endurance is what you need now. Then you will receive all that was promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith. But I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. That's Hebrews chapter 10 verses 36 through 39. You are one of the faithful ones, dear listener. 
If you've cared enough to make it this far through this audiobook, let me just assure you, you are one of the faithful ones. We are taking hold, as best we can, of the strength that prevails, the glory of God in us, so that we might have all we need to navigate these days victoriously. That strength, that beautiful, overcoming strength, comes from the source of life himself, from Jesus Christ who dwells within us. It makes sense, then, that we would practice turning our attention to Jesus within us, learning to draw from his strength in the depths of our own being. Before we go on, this is probably the most important chapter in the entire book. This is certainly my favorite chapter because the things that we are about to unpack and reveal and practice here, discover here, have been for me and my close friends an absolute rescue. Okay, so here we go. It's important we remember that the strength that prevails is a strength given to us by God. This is not something we conjure up. It's not gritting our teeth and doubling down. Yeah, you'll hear athletes talk of digging deep when some great contest is upon them. Soldiers use the same phrase, and it's good in the way it describes tapping into our deepest resources. But the similarity ends there, for the strength that we are after is a supernatural strength that rises up from the God who not only created us, but dwells within us. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, the psalmist said in Psalm 73, 26. I love that. God is the strength of my heart. How wonderful, how life-changing it is to experience God as the strength of your heart. We are talking about the beauty, strength, and glory of the oceans, forests, waterfalls, thunderstorms, all the wild power of creation. This is the power of God made available to us. Imagine if that beauty, strength, and glory not only dwelt within you, but could be tapped into whenever you need it. Let your imagination go there for a moment. The God of the open ocean dwells inside of me. His power is mine to draw upon. This is Christianity as it could be. As Paul prayed, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. That's Ephesians 3, 14 through 16. Consider that same passage in a couple of other translations. May he grant you, out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. 
That's the amplified version. And here's the message. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy. Boundless strength. Okay, friends, I know it's happening right now. Don't allow your past experience to restrict your ability to open yourself up to this. Life is disappointing. There are many things we don't understand. Why God didn't come through. I know this myself. But this is exactly why we must allow the scriptures to open new horizons for us, or we will forever remain within the confines of our experience. So think of it again. The God of shooting stars and swirling galaxies, the Lord who sustains all things by his powerful word, lives in you. What if you could draw upon that glorious energy and power? It would change things for sure. Okay, so in order to tap into that wild strength, we tap into God. Like a tree sends its roots down deep into the subterranean world, we must learn to tap into the presence of God where he resides within us, which is deep in our inmost being. Let's see if we can make this accessible. Your inmost being. A few friends were sitting on our deck the other night talking about this and that when a woman we all know came up in the conversation. She's the kind of person who seems to have an internal steadiness. I don't think I've ever seen her thrown by anything. She might seem first to be quiet and withdrawn, but that's only because she doesn't need to assert herself into the center of things. When she speaks, it seems to come from a deep resource. There was a moment of silence, and then somebody said, she's a deep well. Actually, every human being is a deep well. They just don't draw upon those places within themselves because they live near the surface of their own existence. The madness of this world around us, with its incessant carnival of distraction and demand, is designed to keep you in the shallows, by the way. If you haven't read Nicholas Carr's book, which he almost won the Pulitzer for, entitled The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, it's going to be pretty enlightening to you. I mean, like the world around us is literally designed to keep us fragmented and operating in the very surface of our existence. But Scripture clearly speaks of the depths of our inmost being as the place where God resides. This is a central theme of both Old and New Testaments. Praise the Lord, O my soul, the psalmist said, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Psalm 103, verse 1. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord and sheds light on one's inmost being. Proverbs 20, verse 27. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's John 7, 38. Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Ephesians 3, 16. You have an inmost being, and this is where God dwells in you. So it makes sense 
that learning to tap into his deep presence will help us draw upon the strength that prevails. As Madame Gaillot, the French Catholic, wrote, Your spirit instructs your soul that since God is more present deep within you, he must be sought within, and he must be enjoyed there. Therefore, from the very beginning, you find great joy in knowing that your Lord is within you, and that you can find him and enjoy him in your inmost being. Now, let me quickly clarify that this strength is available only to the sons and daughters of God, those who have invited him to come and reside in the center of their being. Until God resides within us, this is all magical thinking. There's lots of nonsense about inner resilience and little memes and quotes online. It doesn't work until Jesus of Nazareth dwells inside of you. And so, if you've not taken that step of faith, hope, and love, now would be a very good time to do so. Pray with me. Oh, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I need you more than life itself. I'm incomplete without you. You are the source of my life and of every good thing I long for. I open my heart to you, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to come and dwell in my innermost being. I surrender the rule of my life to you as Lord and Savior and ask you to come and keep your promise that if we open the door of our hearts, you will come in and be one with us. Friends, this is the secret of all recovery and resilience, that Jesus Christ himself comes to dwell within our created nature, deep down in the center of our being, and it is down in the depths that we must learn to tap into him for the strength that prevails. Simpler than you think. Jesus prayed intensely in public moments, sharing the liturgy of his people, but he also looked for select places separated from the whirlwind of the world, places that allowed him to descend into the secret of his soul. Now, I realize the idea of descending into the place where God dwells within us is probably new. It would not be new to the Christian monastic tradition for centuries, but most of us haven't had monastic training either. So let's take it step by step. I think you'll discover this is quite accessible. First, let's name the levels of our being. You have fleeting thoughts throughout the day, most of which are insignificant. You also have longings, hopes, and dreams that are far more important. And deep within you, you have experienced the cry for love, hope, and joy, which feels almost primal to your being. I call these layers of our being the shallows, midlands, and depths. The shallows of our being are characterized and ruled by the distractions of life. In the shallows, we flit from thought to thought, distraction to distraction, almost unpredictably. You know how this goes. You're driving down the road listening to a podcast on the intelligence of dogs when the host makes a passing reference to his birthday. 
Your brain seizes on this little inconsequential remark, and you suddenly remember you forgot your mother's birthday, which leads to some panic thoughts about how to make up for it and where can you buy a birthday card today. You think of the store that might have a card, and you recall that it's next to a great taco joint, which causes you to realize how much you love carnitas. And in a matter of a few nanoseconds, you are miles from the actual topic of the podcast. This is most people's mental life nowadays, a fluttering array of randomly distracting thoughts flitting along like a thousand butterflies. Those are the shallows of your existence. The midlands are characterized and ruled by what I, echoing Jesus' words, would call the cares of life, the deeper worries, the heartaches, the longings and aspirations that occupy the human heart. Things like the health of your aging parents, the learning struggles of your children, the status of a troubled relationship, the progress of your career or lack thereof, your finances, your own health, your hopes and fears for your future or the future of your loved ones. I hope this helps you distinguish between the Midlands and the Shallows. The Midlands are deeper down in our being because they are the terrain of weightier matters. When Jesus said, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with the cares of this life, in Luke 21, 34, this is the geography of heartache and fear he was referring to, the Midlands. Distractions keep you in the shallows for most of your day. They burn mental energy and take your focus on a roller coaster ride. But it is the pressures of the Midlands that keep you up at night. Those are the things that cause us to pray, the things that give us ulcers. The Midlands, not the shallows, tend to be the place of our tears. But deeper still, down in the depths of your being is the essence of your existence and the dwelling place of God. Now that you've invited him to live within you, The depths are characterized and ruled by eternal things like faith, hope, love, and joy, to name a few. The prisoner, sentenced to solitary confinement. The patient, living out the final days of their life in a lonely hospital room. And the castaway, stranded on a remote island, all discover that what once seemed so important now pales in the light of their longing to see their loved ones one more time. We all have a deep inner life, whether we pay attention to it or not. This is very hopeful, because we can learn to access it. How do we descend? We are looking to find the presence of God in our inmost being, to experience Him and commune with Him there. By tapping into His actual presence within us, we are able to receive the strength that prevails. It begins with simply giving him your attention. As Theophan the recluse instructed, one must descend with the mind into the heart and there stand before the face of the Lord, ever-present, all-seeing within you. I know, this is one of those quotes that sounds all profound and spiritual, but we don't really know what he's talking about. It seems beyond our experience, but I don't think it needs to be. The key idea here is the descending part 
we learn to drop down into the presence of God within us, tap into his strength there. When Theophan instructed us to, quote, descend with the mind into the heart, I think by our mind, he was referring to our conscious attention. And by heart, he meant our inmost being, the depths. The psalmist cried out to God from his innermost being. Then he gave the fullness of his attention to God. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. That's from Psalm 130. Watchmen scan the horizon with careful attention, for their lives and the lives of the people within the city they protect depend on their attentiveness. The psalmist is using an analogy from his world to talk about undistracted focus, looking for God with all your attentiveness. It's something we give our whole being to. Friends, you are going to love learning this, by the way, and you're going to really love the fruit of it in your life. We set aside a time to give God our undivided attention. The battle is always for your attention. The new thought is that we are giving our attention to God who lives within us. As we tune out the world around us and tune into our hearts, we become aware of the presence of Jesus within us. Take the experience of being comforted by God. Most of the time, nearly all of the time, that comfort is something we experience within. Now, it might be facilitated by a comforting word or a passage of scripture, but the comfort itself is taking place within us. Well, there you go. You are tuning into the work of God within you. So, let me first explain this, that finding God always begins with loving him. Just begin to love Jesus or your Father or the Holy Spirit within you. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you. You settle in knowing that you're taking it slowly. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you. As we do this, we intentionally leave the distractions of the shallows. We tune them out. We choose to ignore them. We begin to drop into our own being. As we consciously and intentionally love Jesus within us, it allows his spirit to guide us into communion with him. Now, because our attention is ruled 99% of the time by the midlands and the shallows, we have to get untangled from all that distraction in order to descend. This is where benevolent detachment comes in, learning to give everyone and everything over to God. I explain this discipline in my book, Get Your Life Back, but let me quote a passage here. We are aiming for release, turning over into the hands of God whatever is burdening us and leaving it there. It's so easy to get caught up in the drama in unhealthy ways, and then we are unable to see clearly 
set boundaries, respond freely. Peter invites us, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We're looking for a way to take back some healthy detachment in our lives. You've got to release the world. You've got to release people, crises, trauma, intrigue, all of it. There's got to be some time in your day where you just let it all go. All the tragedy of the world, the heartbreak, the latest shooting, earthquake, the soul was never meant to endure this. The soul was never meant to inhabit a world like this. It's way too much. Your soul is finite. You cannot carry the sorrows of the world. Only God can do that. Only he is infinite. Somewhere, sometime in your day, you've just got to release it. You've got to let it go. Benevolent detachment takes practice. I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give everyone and everything to you. Often I find I need to follow that up with some specifics. I give my children to you, for I worry about them. I give that meeting to you. I give this book to you. As you do this, pay attention. Your soul will tell you whether or not you're releasing. If the moment after you pray, you find yourself mulling over the very thing you just released, <laughs> you haven't released it. Go back and repeat the process until it feels that you have. Now, this isn't about attaining some new level of sainthood. We're simply pausing and releasing. And as we get the hang of it, we really do get better at letting go and leaving it let go. Descending to find God within us is a good time to practice benevolent detachment. Because in this moment, we're not asking our souls to let go of everything forever, only to let it go for a few moments of focused prayer. I suppose mature saints are able to do it as a matter of living, but for our purposes, we practice in order to find God in the depths of our being. Cast all your cares upon him, as Peter urged us. We let go, we surrender control, and we withdraw from the world by putting it all in the hands of God for a few moments. Give everyone and everything to me. This is how Jesus began to teach me this. So I repeat that phrase right back to him as my way of cooperating. I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give everyone and everything to you. This allows me to move my attention down into the depths of my being. Now, most of us are unpracticed at drawing anything from the depths of our being because the tumultuous, upset world we live in constantly pulls and pushes and distracts us moment by moment, keeping us on the surface of our life with God. But with practice, you can ignore all that and find the beautiful presence of Jesus within you. Notice when you're praying. This will be very, very helpful. Notice when you're praying, where is the God you are praying to located? Are you praying to the Lord of the heavens, way, way up above? Are you praying to Jesus, who is always by your side, with you? Or are you praying to Jesus, who now lives in the depths of your own heart, the God who resides within you? Okay, that'll be really helpful 
just begin to pay attention in your prayer life. Where is God as you are talking to him? Because if you're looking to dig for deeper resources, you'll need to look deep within. St. John of the Cross wrote a lovely poem about an angel coming to a man in pretty desperate straits. The angel led him to a forest and at a certain place told him to dig. He found buried treasure. John ended the poem by having the angel say to us, dig here in your soul. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, Romans says. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That's Romans 8, 26 and 27. And so I pray something like this. Holy Spirit, help me to descend. Help me locate Christ in me. Help me follow Christ down into the depths of my being. I pray to commune with you there. Your physical posture can really help as well, especially early on. Once we're accustomed to it, we can practice going deeper just about anywhere, on the bus, in a plane, even during a meeting. But in the early stages of learning, you'll find it helpful to be in a quiet place and get your body into a position that enables you to turn your attention within. I like to sit in a favorite chair or lean against that chair while sitting on the floor, draw my knees up to my chest, wrap my arms around my knees, bowing my head onto my arms, almost curling into a fetal position while I'm sitting. This helps me physically shut out the world around me and begin to descend with my attention into my inner life. As we settle into our attempt to give God within us our attention, we continue to simply love him, which allows our being to open to the reality of his presence. I love you. I love you. I love you. Can I point out that simply giving Jesus lingering, undivided attention is going to be a new experience for most of us because we don't give anything? our lingering, undivided attention these days, the exercise itself will begin to strengthen your ability to command your attention, which is a really good thing in itself. The practice builds mental resilience. For me, this began in this manner. I would be in a simple time of prayer or quiet reflection, looking to give my attention to Jesus. As soon as I quote, found him, tuned into his presence with me, he would seem to recede from me. His presence seemed to draw back or draw deeper within. And at first, this was really unsettling. Why was my Lord retreating from my attempts to come close? Rather than going to resignation and unbelief, that horrible little I knew it that resides in all of us, I asked him what was taking place. Jesus said, follow me. 
And then I knew he was trying to get me to come deeper into my own being, to get out of the madness of the shallows and the heartache of the Midlands in order to find a deeper experience of his presence within me. Be merciful with your efforts. Many times I've been in a moment of genuine communion with God within me when suddenly I'm yanked back to the shallows by some distraction or pulled to the Midlands by some care. Don't be distressed by this. It's very common. The entire world is shouting at you all the time, trying to capture your attention. And we are unfamiliar with lingering communion with God. Be kind to yourself by simply acknowledging, oh, I got yanked back to the surface and just drop right back down again. What will you find as you find Jesus in the depths of you? Ah, friends, you will find such goodness expressed personally to your need in that moment. You will find love. Often your experience will simply be one of being loved, of knowing God's love for you. Linger with that. It's enough. In fact, when I'm having a hard time dropping in, I often use the trail of love. In other words, I find the place in my soul, in my heart, where the longing for love lies within me. You can locate that pretty easily. And I follow it to Jesus, like Hansel and Gretel following the breadcrumbs home. It leads to Jesus who always lives in the place of love, in our inmost being. Other times, Jesus has instructed me to find my longing for hope, again, never too far out of reach, and follow that longing, the longing for hope, down into my inner being. As we commune with God's presence within us, we're able to receive the strength that prevails. His glorious resilience is always available to us. Simply lingering in the presence of Jesus within us strengthens us. The communion is the point. Just because these are supernatural graces doesn't mean they're dramatic. Don't look for fireworks and explosions. God is gentle. Receiving his love and strength is often a very gentle experience. Sometimes we find that God wants to say something to us or show us something. Give him your attention. Holy Spirit, help me to hear what Jesus is saying to me. Holy Spirit, help me to see what Jesus is showing me. I've had hundreds of beautiful encounters over the years with Jesus through this practice. As I've worked on it and practiced it and come back, it's good and then it's not good and you get yanked back <laughs> out and you drop back in and sometimes you don't want to do it, but you know your soul needs it. As I've practiced this over the years, oh, friends, there are such riches here. Being deep with Jesus, he has shown me the new earth many times, seeing its beauty, seeing the utter victory of it was healing in itself and filled me with assurance. He has shown me the city of God, and it is filled with laughter and joy. Oh, it is an amazing thing to hear the laughter of the kingdom. 
it increased my longing to be there. And again, it also just brings such assurance. Your soul comes out of these times with such deep assurance. So just go with what Jesus is doing. Each experience tends to be unique. Sometimes it's love, sometimes it's comfort, sometimes it's just communion, sometimes it's strength. Often he wants to say things or show things to us. You see, when Jesus was teaching in the Gospels, he said, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is accessible to us, within us, because Jesus is there. And Jesus, right, is the Lord of the kingdom. So let's practice this skill, which is descending to find Jesus within you. Now, in most of the other skills, I've said, hey, if you're driving along or if you're on your flight right now, or you're out for a run, you know, it's, that's just fine. Keep your eyes open. You'll be fine as we practice some of those other prayers. But I think I want to suggest for this one that if you are not in a quiet place, you pause the audiobook and wait until you can get into a quiet place because this requires our attention. So I'm going to give you a moment to get into a quiet place. And honestly, in a busy home, even the bathroom or a closet will work because you can just shut the door. I do that a lot, actually. I'll go into the closet and just shut the door. Don't bring your phone. If you need it for a timer or for music, put it on airplane mode. So get your body into a comfortable position, like pulling your knees up to your chest and wrapping your arms around your knees. I don't recommend lying down because you'll fall asleep. <laughs> we are all so weary. Sometimes a comfy blanket can assist you in settling in. Now, yes, I do play soft instrumental music in the background, but only as a backdrop to create a sacred space, not as something asking for my attention. So nothing with lyrics, nothing loud, nothing full of adrenaline, not your favorite pump-you-up worship song, only something gentle, quiet, instrumental. So let's start with a simple prayer. Jesus, I long for your presence. I long for your presence, Lord. Help me commune with you where you live inside of me. Repeat that several times over. Repetition is really helpful in this kind of prayer. I'll repeat things over and over as I tune in. So Jesus, I long for your presence, Lord. Help me commune with you where you live inside of me. As you quiet yourself, practice benevolent detachment. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give everyone and everything to you. Repeat it a few times. Name things you need to release. And if something in particular keeps trying to distract you, specifically give the issue over to God. I give you my children, my work, that email, 
take a moment and release. What we're doing is we're just ignoring the shallows right now. And we keep tuning into Jesus who lives within us. We ask the Holy Spirit for his help. Holy Spirit, help me to descend. Help me locate Christ in me. Help me follow Christ down into the depths of my being. I pray to commune with you there. Begin loving Jesus or your Father or the Holy Spirit within you, not looking to the Lord above, not even to Christ by your side, but looking within. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you. Just settle in, knowing that you're taking this all slowly. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And as you do this, just become aware of the presence of Jesus within you. I love you, Lord. I give you everything. I just need you. I want you. Release the world. Holy Spirit, help me to give my attention to the presence of God in my inmost being. And as you become aware of Jesus within you, follow him deeper within. Be open to what he wants to do. It might be comfort. It might be a word from God. He might want to show you something. Let him take the lead. This is not a time for typical prayer. Don't start praying for the cares that you hold up in the Midlands. Don't intercede for others. This precious time is dedicated to one thing only, communion with God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. What are you saying? What are you showing? Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. I love you here. And as we linger there, we ask God for his glorious strength. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill the depths of my being with your glory. Fill me with your glory, Lord. Fill me with the river of life in my inmost being. Let the river flow in me. 
Give me the strength that prevails, Lord. Fill me with your glorious strength, Father. Strengthen my heart. Strengthen my mind. Strengthen love in me. Strengthen hope in me. Strengthen faith in me. I pray for your resilience, God, throughout my being. And I love you here. I love you here. I love you here. Okay, so we're going to end this practice right now. But if you have the time, you can just let that linger. You can spend 30 minutes. You can spend an hour there as you get used to it. But it is something to practice and to be kind and patient with your attempts because sometimes it's really hard and sometimes you don't hear, you don't see, even though you desperately want to hear something from the Lord. It's okay. It's okay. You will. Oh, you will. Just be gracious and keep finding those moments where you can shut out the world and practice this again. And like I said, we're going to put all these prayers and these experiences in the back of the book at the end of the audio so you can access them more readily. But I would hope that this is one that you turn to at least once a week when you have a quiet moment to practice this. This is something that as you learn it, you can do it in your office, you can do it on a walk, you can do it on the bus as you put your headphones on and tune out the world and just. Drop in to the presence of God within you and let him love you. Let him bond with you. Let him strengthen you. 